You're listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast, a product of the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association. To learn more, visit our website at or.nhsbca.org. Welcome to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. I'm Derek Dumann, OBCA Vice President and Boys Basketball Coach at West Albany High School. Today, I get the pleasure of speaking with Coach Robert Key, Boys Basketball Coach at Grant High School. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about yourself, Derek? I'm doing great, thanks, and, and thank you for taking the time to, to speak with us today. Uh, Coach, for those of uh, our listeners that maybe aren't familiar with you, uh, can you give us a little bit of background on yourself, uh, your coaching journey, and, and how you ended up as the head boys coach at Grant High School? Sure. So, yeah, so um, I'm a 1984 grad from Marshall High School. Um, I played three sports there at Marshall High School. I went on to Laura Columbia Community College where I played basketball and baseball there. And then from there, I went on to Western Oregon State University. I graduated. Um, my degree is in health and PE. I am now currently coaching, uh, teaching at a middle school called Cracksburger Middle School in Gladstone, Oregon. Um, coaching started, let's see, I started at Cleveland High School, and I did 14 years there under Coach Tom Beatty. I coached the junior varsity there, found the niche in the coaching, fell in love with it. Um, my first job that I received was at Roosevelt High School, where I served eight years there. From Roosevelt, I went on across the bay over to Vancouver High School, or Hudson Bay High School, did two years there, and I'm now currently my seventh year at Grant High School. Very cool. Coach, do you have anybody uh, from your past that you kind of look to as a, as a coaching mentor or someone that you really credit to having a big impact on, on you and, and how you coach? Yes, absolutely. All my coaches, first and foremost, I have to say that, but one particular coach that I still stay in touch with and we golf in the better weather days is my high school basketball coach, Mr. Don Emery, who is now retired. Um, coach Emery is a big part of my life. Um, father figure, you know, growing up with a single parent, my mom raising two boys, he was someone I can always lean on to, and here we are now in 2021, and we're still close to friends. That's very cool. Very cool. Uh, Coach, you talked about, you know, grew up uh, in the Portland area. Uh, you've been on the Portland basketball scene for, for quite a long time. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about how, uh, you know, being a Portland kid, uh, that now coaches in the PIL, what what that means to you? You know, Derek, it's the biggest reward. Um, working with youth is a, a huge part of my life. It's a passion of mine, you know, coming from North Portland where, you know, not too many options growing up, uh, a lot of low-income housing where I come from. And, you know, just to be in a position now to give back where, like I told you earlier, coaches have been the strongest part of my life. And now to give back to kids, you know, I'm in this district now as a coach and a former player. This is like my 34th, 35th year of being a part of uh, Portland Public Schools. And it's just been the biggest reward, you know, to be in a position that I'm in. Yeah, how has being in the PIL, uh, you know, both as a student and, and a coach, I mean, how has that impacted you and and who you are as a coach and, and how you treat kids? 
Oh, with the utmost respect. Uh, with the utmost respect, how I, you know, relate to uh, teens. It's, you know, I, I, I get the biggest kick to know that, you know, here I am. I just had a recent birthday at 55, and I'm like, wow, you know, Portland Public Schools have done nothing but the greatest service to me and my brother, and. You know, to give back to kids that you get to see every day and interact with, you know, it, it brings a smile to me every day. It's something you look forward to doing every day when you're done with your day job, although I work with kids during the day, too. So it's it's rewarding. It's the biggest reward that I've ever taken a bond. I did some job. I did my other job before I did the middle school. I was at PSU working with adults and young teens, and I did 17 years there. So... To go down into the middle school, it's like I think this is my calling and also a part of coaching as well. Yeah. Well, very cool. And happy birthday, Coach. Happy belated birthday as well. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Coach, what are some of the key concepts, skills, and lessons that you preach to your team on a, on an everyday basis? Be a student athlete. First and foremost, you have to bring the student to the table. Um, I stress it daily. My kids know it. I'm so big about the classroom. Um, as we know, you have to be that student before you're an athlete, and these kids know it. And the biggest reward that I have that I've implemented since I've been at Grand High School is all the teachers know me by email, and if they're at games, they know who I am, to give me feedback on my kids. So. They know that um, it's classroom first and foremost. Um, I'm not. A, I don't like to be a disciplinary, but when you're not doing your job within the classroom first, it affects not only you but it affects the program as well. So, I'm a problem solver on that. I try to get the kids in the best position to make sure that they succeed in the classroom. What are some of maybe the key basketball concepts that you preach every day in practice and in games? Defensively, I talk, I, I, you know, I'm pretty loaded on the offensive end, so I, I preach the defensive side, I mean, to the extreme, that, you know, defense creates offense. You know, show me something that you can do differently besides scores a basket. Show me that you can take a charge. Show me some leadership, you know, boxing out, just the intangible, the small intangible things that will keep you on the court where I'm like, I just can't take this young man off the floor. He's, he's playing all the way to his ability. And it, my my things before go, going into game setting, my practices are like games. And it's it's rewarding every day that I come to practice because I'm so detailed about my scouting report, showing kids what they can do better. And then this is the competitive part when we're doing our half court and full court. Yeah, because I want to talk about or see if I can dive in a little bit on, you know, I think you mentioned two things, one, the classroom, and two, the defensive end of the floor uh, that, that takes some buy-in from student-athletes. Uh, what are some things that you do to, to get that buy-in from them? You know, it, it's it's almost, it's it's by example. You know, these kids come to practice wanting to be the best that they can be. I'm so thankful and grateful to know that I have student-athletes that will give me 100% every every day in practice. You know, um, 
you, you first you have to be coachable, and for the most part, I've been very blessed to have coachable kids that want to soak up all this information to be a better player and also a better person, a student as well. So they kids buy in, Derek. It's, it's, it's a it's a, I guess the kids the players before them. It's each year the players before them have set the example to make my job a little more easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Leadership will do that. Great leadership will do that for you, and that's great. Absolutely. That's great. Hey, Coach, you talked about, you know, you get to have a lot of kids who are experienced and, and um, talented on the offensive end of the floor. You know, you've had some very talented teams, uh, both at Roosevelt and, and at Grant. Uh, how do you kind of manage uh, player expectations of, I want to play, uh, you know, I'm going to be the dude, and helping kids fit into their roles? You know that that's a that was in the beginning. Well, at Roosevelt, I was there was those, when I got there, they were they were skilled kids, but didn't have too many fundamentals. And when I came to Roosevelt, I implemented fundamentals, the jump stop, you know, not jumping in the air, making the right decisions, no one hand passes. But then when I got to Grant. There was more, these guys were more skilled. They understood the game a lot, a lot of good players. So it was more, it was it was a little more difficult when I got to Grant in the beginning as far as I'm the man. And so I set the tone. I said, we're, we're all playing for each other. Um, again, it's all about group settings, how you, how you come across to your players. And, you know, they have to buy in as their leader, you know, I, the best part, you have to be a leader of men, and that's something I take very seriously. And the kids know that, and it's they give me the utmost respect. My whole staff as well. That's great. Yeah, how do you approach maybe those difficult conversations? I think we've all had them as coaches, where you're, you know, you got to sit down, or a kid, maybe a kid comes to you, you know, which I think is always great as well. Uh, you know, how do you kind of approach those those conversations? Uh, between maybe telling the the truth uh, and you know hopefully not, but potentially you know breaking the kid's heart uh, when you when he asks the question of why he's not getting the time or the looks that he wants. You know, it's um, I, I I I do my best to coach from twelve to one, and I give kids where they're at before the season starts. You can be here. I don't. I don't do a number system. I try to coach twelve to one equally, but of course there's some kids more skilled. But it's conversations that you have to have, and there, those conversations are not just oh one day. Those conversations are season long to keep showing the young men what they can improve on. And my thing when I tell kids, if you're a part of my varsity program, that means I need to find you some minutes because. There's something I see in you. The kids that swing JV and varsity, those kids really get it. They know it's a learning curve for them to watch the older group and also to know that they're waiting their turn. But when you're a junior and senior and you're a part of my program, I say you're a part of my program because I see something in you to be playing. And the first thing, like we talked about earlier, you've got to show me on the defensive side, what can you bring to the table? And these kids buy in because you give them strong yeah. conversations on a daily. 
Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was actually my next question. Like, how often do you have those conversations? Is it every day before practice? Is it after practice? It's always what does that look like? I do, I do it before, in the middle, and at the end. And keep, just keep all the kids focused on where we're at as far as the plane rotation, how it goes. Because, you know, at one time, Derek, well, the year we won it, I played six and a half. <laughs> Maybe that's seven because the other kids were underclassmen and they were learning. Mm-hmm. And as we got going better, I crept up to eight, playing an eight-man rotation. Um, this year, I'm nine deep. I'm right. nine players deep where that's a good number. The other kids <laughs> that will the other kids that are coming in, I you know, I, I know that there's some kids that'll swing, there's some kids that'll be apart, but you know, it's who's put the work in. And I tell the kids, I give all these kids information on people that do individual workouts, things that they can work out on their own. So I see the development in my coaches too as well. Yeah. Yeah, I wanna ask about, you know, kind of your swing kids that you brought up and one of the things that I, you know, I, I've had trouble with as a head coach is uh, working with those swing kids, those kids that, that practice with you on varsity but do most of their playing time on the JV team. Uh, and, you know, feedback I've gotten from kids is really hard. They feel like they don't belong to either team almost because you're with one during practice and one during games. Um, how do you kind of help kids navigate through that? You, you know my best way it I love this part that I do it because I was telling you how I, I coach from 12 to 1, and that's the same mm-hmm. number on the junior varsity as well. I take the swing kids and I develop them with like a starting, like two or, two or three starters or maybe just two, maybe just one. And anything we do, I put them in a surrounding, a surrounding where they see that I'm, I'm with a varsity starter. How do I get to that point? I, I don't lead. I lead them to show them how they can work better when they're doing. If it's two on two drills, you're going up against a starter and you're a swinger. To show them in the mix where, like, I get a lot of feedback where, Coach Key, I see some things I need to work on, and, mm-hmm. I, and I'm going to get it done. Those are the feedbacks I've got because of the culture I built, Derek, and it's and that's mm-hmm. how I've been very successful. It's the culture, the relationships I've built that I've been successful with. Can I say it happened when I first got the grant? No. <laughs> it's been a process. <laughs> right. And yeah. you know, and then also coaching football, you know, where my kids are going both ways, where it's just it's about relationships. And mm-hmm. I think that's probably my best strongest part of me being a basketball coach and football as well. Right. Yeah, that, I mean, that culture part of it, do you think it, it does come down to just the relationships? Or how did you maybe instill kind of that leadership you've alluded to so far in our conversation? Because it seems like you've got great leaders in your program that continuously are just building on themselves, which is fantastic. So, like, when you first started, did you have to build that leadership in your players? And, and how did you do that? Yeah, I, I had – well, my first thing when I got there, I had to build relationships. That was, there was, when I got to Grant, there was four kids that played varsity as a freshman. And I went, how? And (laughs) so I, my, 
and what I got from the information when I got there, those kids got moved up because of grades to upperclassmen that were playing, mm-hmm. academically ineligible. So I got that. So that was a good piece that I got. Those kids were moved up because of academics. Not that they weren't good enough, you know, pretty pretty decent freshmen, but it's a, it, I say it's a process. Mm-hmm. And when I first got it, I said, Be, wherever you were before I got here, that's not always the case that you're going to end up. But hopefully you will. And I started that on, that trend all the way on, and it worked, and it's been working. <laughs> yes. It's worked quite well, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very well, and, yeah. And, it, and again, I, I I diagnosed that so well when I got there because I was like, oh, there's a low entitlement that I got to break that bond. Mm-hmm. I got to break that bond. And it, there was a transition where it got a little gray, but, you know, at the end of the day, my conversations were trust the process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Coach, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, analytics uh, have changed the game quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious, how do you use analytics in your program? Huddle. Huddle's my favorite friend. <laughs> <laughs> we tag, we tag Huddle. We get percentages. Um, it's it's the best thing that's ever come. Um, I got our growth program involved in it too as well. I mean. As, as you know, stats don't lie. Mm-hmm. So, turnover ratio, you know, evaluating the film, that's that's pretty big. I evaluate film. I let kids watch the film and, you know, show, look at areas where you can improve. I even, you know, sometimes I even film practices. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it, from shooting to rebound to assist, except free throws, watching film, I mean, these run run these reports and the numbers you know show for itself. Yeah, are there any numbers specifically that you look at either for an individual kid or even as a team, right? Like, do you have certain analytics that you try to meet per game on the defensive or offensive end? Yeah, the big one is the, the takeaways is on the defensive end. You know, I, I'm always looking. You know. Who's getting who's getting the fifty fifty balls? Who's getting the most rebound? Rebounding, you know, it goes a long ways on this shots as we know. But mm-hmm. my my biggest takeaway I look at is on the offensive end. Are you turning the ball over? Where, what are you averaging as turnover prone? Are you that player? And those are the things. Those two things on the defensive end and the offensive end. I stress. So much in practice, and we, you've heard it. We've heard it from men before us, coaches. Practice like you play, and that's my biggest thing that we have on a board. And I'm going to use even more so this year. Years coming mm-hmm. is you come to practice, you go hard, just as it's, just like it's a game, and the game will take care of itself. Yeah. What does your film study look like with your kids? I know different people do different things. Uh, do you use Huddle to clip your your games? Do you watch the whole game? What does that look like when you sit down with your team to watch film? So what I do, so what I've done in the beginning was a uh, a group setting. 
I went from a group setting where I've watched film first, and then I allow them to watch film and say, look at these takeaways. I individually jot it down and say, look at look at this process, look at the the scenario in this situation. How did this game go from a ten point lead to a three point lead? What happened in that sequence? And I, I, I just break it down to each player, and then we come together. Because I, I remember when I was in college, and I said I would never, not that I knew I was going to be a coach, but something I didn't like as, a, as an athlete, a college athlete, high school, is when a coach would get up there on that board, get that ruler, and go, Robert, look at you. You're not boxing out. Robert, there you go again. Robert, you know, and I remember those things in my mind where if you pay attention to detail, your name is not called. Mm-hmm. If you pay attention to detail, your name is not called. So that's the biggest takeaway I've got from there. Yeah. But it's, it's a good Great. setting. It's it's really good setting. Huddle is super good. Kids want, And the thing I like about my kids they want to watch film. Mm-hmm. They want to watch it. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, thank you, Coach. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we return, we'll have more with Coach Key right after this on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Are you an OBCA member yet? Sign up before January 29th and be entered for a chance to win one of two $25 gift certificates to Big Five Sporting Goods. Members that have signed up from the start of this school year will also be entered to win. You can sign up today at or.nhsbca.org. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Derek Duman here with Coach Robert Key. Uh, Coach, I want to dive into uh, maybe somewhat sensitive topic with you um, and something I, I like to ask coaches um, that that fit into this, this category or, or uh, are maybe, you know, a minority of some sort, whether it's women, uh, African-Americans, Hispanic, et cetera. Um, you, you are a coach of color, uh, and obviously uh, with – events that have transpired over the summer and, and even still currently uh, within the past weeks, um, you know, it's, it's a very hot topic issue. Can, can you talk about what that experience has been like for you to, to be a, a coach of color and, and have you been treated any differently, do you feel, because of that? You know, Derek, so I'm, I'm not, I mean, I know racism. Racism has gone gone on for years. I know I know it has. Um, I've always been instilled from my mom where treat others how you want to be treated, and I've done that all my life. But to know, and I know what my mom's went through, my grandma, grandpa's went through. I, I know it. I'm not naive about it. But for all this to transpire now in our society, it's like the movement of Racism, hatred, it it just doesn't resonate with me because I, I just don't like it. It's it's a uh, touchy subject, but I'm involved with it. I get it. My biggest experience I've ever had as a head coach 
is when we were at Mac Court and our uh, student body bus, uh, some chaperones were calling the kids the N-word, get on the bus. And I had no idea about it, but a news reporter came to me and asked me, how did you feel about that? And I said, it's, it's just not right. It's not, it's not fair for people to talk to younger or older. It's not even right in, in our society. It's just not right. Our principal took the initiative, got names. Those people that were doing that to those younger kids at Roosevelt on that bus were fired immediately. So here I am, my 17th year as a head varsity basketball coach, 14 years at Cleveland High School. Um, I think I've been treated very fair. I've got good friends as coaches in Oregon that I know very well. Um, I've had a lot that reached out to me during these times where I thought, like, you've always been a friend of mine. Thank you for reaching out. You know, it, it's been – I was I was very moved, and, you know, the biggest things they were saying, I didn't know. I didn't know. And it's, it's just conversation, you know. It, I've opened my door to my friends and said, it's just a conversation. Um, have I personally been in, in, in situations like this? Yes, I have. And the two biggest ones I've seen that's happened with me is the racial profiling while driving. I've, it's happened. It's happened to me. Um, walking into a store where it's predominantly all white and a security guard following me, and for me to turn around and say, I am a buying customer. I'm not here to do anything illegal. So I, it's, it's, I've witnessed it. And, you know, we can only hope for change. Um, it's just not about racism. Like you said, it's about hatred. It's about, you know, people not loving each other. I tell our kids, you know, embrace the day and be kind to one another. Embrace the day and just be kind to one another. Let's change a movement. And these are conversations that I've had with my kids. Yeah, that's, that's my next question, Coach. I mean, you get to coach, you know, kids from a variety of different backgrounds, uh, whether it, you know, be socioeconomically or racially or, or whatever that might be. I mean, how do you approach this, you know, as, as a interclassic coach, you know, we're about building young men and women. So, you know, how do you try to, you know, reach this topic with, with your players? Um, I'm very open very open it's a it's an open door policy on it um the the thing about it is is that you know in these times where you know grants predominantly white where i come in and see it as we're all equal i don't see it the black and white you know i, I try to come in and you know send the right message you know i have grandkids i want them to have the right message so it's just paying it forward about being kind to people, you know, you know, get every day, show a, show a sign of kindness, you know, do something kind to for someone, see what type of responses you get, why thank you young man, or you know, can I help you here, that's the movement that I'm trying to move within our, in our culture, and at Grant, and our coaches are doing the same thing as well, you know, they've, they've pushed this in a very positive direction as well, so there's a lot of communication. There's a lot of conversations about it. So that's the most uplifting part about it. We're we're 
we're all we're all trying to get on that same page. Yeah. Do you have any advice for young coaches of color that are just now starting their coaching career? Yeah. Same way I did it. Ask the the men that have been there before you. Don't always be where you're too good to try to soak up some information for someone that's already been there and done that. Always open your thoughts to someone that you know that's been there. And I've had younger coaches, you know, reach out to me about that. You know, how do you handle it, especially in your position? And I, I relish to, to have those conversations to, you know, sit down, let's have some coffee, have a soda or something, and let's talk about it. This is this is where it started. This is how I think, you know. And just be open-minded. And that's, that's big for me to want to do because I have good young coaches right now, and one's a man of color, the other two aren't, and they get it. And I've coached two of my of, um, my, play, my coaches, so they've got it, they understand. And now it's just you know, any coach that wants to come and sit down with Coach Key, and take a ride with me about what I've been through through coaching and how to accept challenges that might come your way. Hey, we can have that conversation. That's awesome. Thanks, Coach. I'm going to switch topics on you here. Back to back to hoops. Uh, on the court stuff. Um, I know, you know, you guys defensively, you talked about a big emphasis for you. Uh, and I know your, your teams are, have been really aggressive defensively, uh, full court pressure in your face. Uh, what, what kind of is your philosophy behind that? And, and how do you get kids to, to buy into, buy into that? Well, like I said, in our practices, I say we, I do, Truthfully, about a half hour, a hour, a half hour of defense. We're de- going over different settings on the defensive end: the full court pressure, the zone presses. I'm I'm putting kids in a position where I know they can uh, succeed in the in the way that I want them to, because it's all about player personnel, how you put kids in the right position, and I just I'm always diagnosing. What type of defense? And of course, it's always the opponent that I'm looking at too. Because when I when I scout, I do my I don't have my assistants do it. I do it hands on, and so I dictate my different defenses on people that I scout, and I bring it to our practices and show tell them about weaknesses. Um, this is how we can be very successful with our traps, um, our running jumps. I, I just um, if if you came to a practice and saw it, you'd go, boy, they just get after it defensively because I've always said it, it just creates offense and everybody's involved. Yeah, one of the things, you know, as, as a pressure defensive coach, sometimes you're going to give up points or lay-ins because you're gambling or, or doing things like that. So do you have a rule uh, within your pressure defense? Are you more willing to give up three-pointers? Uh, when do you gamble? How do you know when to gamble? What does that look like? Yeah, so um, I, I I do I, I don't like to do certain things t- too long because you're right. <laughs> I can't stand to give up layups on in a full court pressure type situation in our zone presses. The key component is 
you're defending our basket and we're pushing them outwards and we're trying to create them to shoot three-point shots, contested, of course, but no mm-hmm. uncontested layups in our zone presses. And, um, of course, in that half-court set is, you know, the health side. I I mean, um, I think I say health side so much in practices that I leave home with it, but I'm always yeah. so big on the health side part of our zone presses and our half-court sets on defense. So I'm, I'm very hard. Um, kids know I'm hard on it. Um, our conditioning is based upon, based on how we defend in practice. We there's some consequences as far as conditioning when things aren't on the same page. All it takes is one guy, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, one guy to set that uncontested layup, and then that same one guy can always keep creating that. Then you got to get out of it. You got to figure. You got to go to a different set. Yeah. So, how many you know different pressures do you have? I mean, is there you know is there a couple that you do consistently? Do you, I mean, I'm just thinking like, does it overwhelm your kids at all if you have all of these different types of presses, or do you kind of have the two or three that you go to for your certain amount of time and then switch it up? Um, so, depending on the opponent. That's, that's mm-hmm. the first and foremost thing I can I, I go I base it off because you can't do I do a base of four I have a strong list of eight but there's a strong four on different te- you know different settings of teams who how you play them that you that I use and these kids I I tell these kids there's eight there's eight sets on mm-hmm. the on the defensive end we have twelve sets on the offensive end. So to take these eight and let's get them out the way and so that you understand um, what we're doing, that's when I dictate on which ones I do. But I usually try to get a base four. I have a, I have a set four on my, in my game plan. It's just like an assignment. I, I know what I'm doing going into a game just like a student, just like a student mm-hmm. athlete across the board. They should know what they're going into. I know going into – Here's my game. Here's my mindset. Here's my game plan. So, each opponent, that's how I diagnose it. Yeah. What does you know? You talked about the energy in practice and making it game like. You know, what does a typical practice look like? How does it start? How much time do you spend full court? Are you doing skill development? What does a, a typical two-hour practice look like? Defense. Uh, our our defensive skill sets that we do first and foremost, like I said, I get that strong half an hour in there. We do different things from the half court standpoint to the full court standpoint. Then we're going into skill development. We're doing things off the dribble, um, jump stop. We're doing all of the basic fundamental stuff, and I try to end the practice with shooting. But before we get to shooting, it's a continuous drill that I do because then it gets hyped up where, you know, the 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 gym is rocking. The kids are excited. Let's go because it's a part of our conditioning. You lose. It's a tough consequence that we do, which is a it's called a 17 that I do. So the kids are so enthused and so, like, rowdy, rowdy about it because they don't want to run and they know how to win if you play defense. And it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's. It's. I enjoy going to practice. I mean, yeah. there's. I go six days a week. 
I go every Saturday. Win or lose, we're in that gym that Saturday morning. Can you describe that drill that you're talking about a little bit? I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of coaches that would like to get their, their practices going too. Yeah, so um, so I go a five-on-four, one touches the end line. I go um, five-on-three. This is all full court. Mm-hmm. I do that one. That's my. That's the big one. That, cause, and the reason why I do that, who are my guys that are not getting back on defense and talking? I got ball, stop ball. I got man. You know, I want those guys. And I just, that's how you, it, it builds leadership too as well when, when mm-hmm. we're doing that. So that's a big one. That guy that's touching that end line, and, I, and of course, I call the guy to the end line because I want to see if you fit in with these other four or these other two fit in with these other three. So it's all about chemistry defensively is what I do on that. And it just pays off the biggest dividends you can ever imagine. My other one is this continuous drill. You have six on one side, six on the other. You got two guys going a two, uh, two on one. Uh, two, it's a two on two. One, excuse me, a three on two. One guy has to come from half court, touch the center of the court, and retreat into the defensive end with his teammates. Mm-hmm. And now it's a now it becomes a three on three. You score. You're going back the other way. You got two guys waiting on you. The other guy on the other side comes touch the middle of the circle. He gets in there to help his teammates out, and it's that one is super big. And I just go first team to five. Loser, we got to get some conditioning in. So our conditioning conditioning is based inside of practice. I never do it at the beginning or the end. It's always Mm -hmm. in the middle because I believe I get their attention span better. Yeah, what kind of shooting do you guys do? You know, kind of going back to the analyst question, you know, it's up to some coaches who have like a green light shooting system, right? If you hit a certain amount of shots in a certain amount of time, you have the green light to shoot. Uh, do you guys do anything like that, or is it just, you know, trying to get kids some, some game-like shots at, at game speed? You know, I, I don't – I gave a – in my time – in my day at Grant, I've probably given three guys in seven years the green light. I, now it's – what I've implemented in the Grant is the perim- – so – I got to say this part. As a former shooter, I remember someone said this to me when I was coaching, and, and it was a learning curve. And this was an official that I played against, whether it was in high school or college, I can't remember this, but this official that I knew came up to me and said, Hey, Rob, hey, man, you know, your team's pretty good. They're pretty decent, but as a, shoot, as a former shooter, how come your team can't shoot? <laughs> <laughs> and of course some people would go oh well, what do you mean no 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 I soaked that information in and I said that would be the last time someone tells me that so I break down the strongest mechanics on shooting off the dribble catch and shoot I give them all the basic fundamentals that coach Emery instilled in me and his in the programs and the teams we've had and that's why we were successful when I was in high school. 
it wasn't one guy that could shoot the perimeter shot. We all could. And when I played in high school, there wasn't even a line. But when I got to college, <laughs> it was like, yeah, you know, even more it was a more structured where certain people get to shoot the three-point shot. When I started coaching, I made sure everybody understood how to shoot the basketball. Yeah. How have you, you know <laughs> – been coaching kids during this pandemic. Uh, obviously, a crazy uh, time to be a basketball coach. There's restrictions and lockdowns. What is it you've been doing to keep your team engaged? So we do three things. So every week we do a topic of the week. Uh, topics could range from life after sports. Um, we do how how kids, um, how do you bank how do you save money? Um, one of my coaches is a realtor. Uh, he gives a presentation, and I always bring up the topics. But um, you know, my coach, one of my coaches, both of my co- two of them work for uh, POIC, which is a juvenile detention program. Um, they've had um, presentations to the program, but um, yeah, every week we get some, we get a topic of the week. So I've been doing that. Then on two other days that I have, we have a yoga session, and we also have an intensity training session, and they're both uh, Zooms. And um, they do that twice a week, and we do a topic of the week. With that said, hopefully now we'll eventually possibly get some gym time because we haven't been in the gym, of course, at all. And we have a park that's at Grant. We've tried that park, but... Um, that was not a success because we couldn't get a permit because it's a public park. Mm. Yeah. So I'm... What? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so I'm just putting my faith in these young men that they're putting the work in because I said, we'll be able to tell. Yeah. We'll be able to tell. And, again, just giving kids things that they can work on. Have you or your staff started thinking yet, uh, you know, as we look forward to May when we start, uh, it's going to be different. You know, I'm calling it the craziest season in Oregon basketball history. Uh, it's going to be, you know, six weeks. They're going to have less time pr- to prepare. Um, so are you guys looking to do things differently? Are you going to pare down your, your playbook? I mean, what is – have you talked with your staff about that? What's that going to look like in preparation for the upcoming season? You know um... – Derek, I think I'm in, I'm just going to continue what I've been doing, and we're just going to go and make adjustments as the season progresses on. You know, I know we're not going to get to everything, but we're going to start from the start like how we've been doing every year, you know, same processes we've been doing. And, you know, my coaches and myself, we'll make adjustments. I know it's going to be a on-the-fly adjustments, but it, I think it'll be good. I just – Again, I have two seniors, program kids that's been there since they were freshmen, and to have two out of you know, I started working with the middle school when these kids were there, and I started it with seventh and eighth graders when I first got to Grant. So these these two young men have been all the way through, and the other kids, you know, have figured it out that you know, basketball might be might be in there future and, and decide to do other things but these two young men who's worked all my basketball camps been there program guys 
I want it. I, I want it, and for other seniors as well, not just mine, but for the for the seniors' sake. That's 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 all I want out of this. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Coach, uh, we're going to take another break, uh, but when we return, Coach Key will try to beat the shot clock here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Stay up to date with the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association on social media at facebook.com slash OregonBCA or on Twitter at ORHoopCoaches. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. We're talking with Robert Key, boys basketball coach at Grant High School. Uh, coach, for my next set of questions, I'm going to put you up against the shot clock. I'm going to put 35 seconds on a timer, uh, and I'm going to ask you some rapid-fire questions that should have hopefully one- to two-word answers. Uh, that's tough for coaches, but we're going to try to move quickly here. Uh, and uh, we're going to see how many questions we can get through before the buzzer goes off. Sound All good? Right. Sounds good. <laughs> All righty. Here we go. Starting now, do you think Oregon high school basketball should have a shot clock? I would love it. Should it be implemented at the sub-varsity level? No. If you're up three points with less than 10 seconds, do you foul? No. How big of a lead do you need before you pull off a press? 18. What's your favorite way to guard on-ball screens? Heads. Do you think the three-point line should be moved back? Yes. What's your favorite pregame meal? Pasta. What's one word officials would use to describe you? Polite. Time. That was a good possession, Coach. Well done. Well done. <laughs> and I, I will I will admit, not every coach in Oregon can say that officials would describe them as polite. So I my hat's off to you, Coach Hunt. <laughs> on, on I try to one. kill him with kindness because I'm a I do officiating <laughs> on the side, so I I get okay. it. I get been it. there, yeah. <laughs> I totally get absolutely. It. <laughs> uh, coaches, you know, you know, we call it the shot clock segment uh, mostly because the shot clock is a, a hot topic issue, not only in our state but across the country. Um, you had mentioned you're in favor of the shot clock. Can you kind of expand on that answer? Yeah, so I did two years over in Vancouver at Hudson's Bay, and we had the shot clock. And I can tell you, in my two years there, I probably had a shot clock violation twice. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's more for teams that are stalling, that want to stall and, and move the ball a lot and make sure they get that wide-open shot or that wide-open layup. I think the shot clock will speed the game up. Um, of course, uh, get more kids involved. Simple. I like it. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it. Uh, you know, you also mentioned uh, possibly being in favor of moving the, the three-point line back. What, why would you be in favor of that? I, I think it's, 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 it's a little too, too close. I think um, mm-hmm. kids of math – you know what I love about Oregon – Oregon is a state where you get a lot of good shooters that come out of here. The the north, our northwest. I mean, it's unbelievable how kids are shooting this basketball now. And I just feel if we move it back just a little bit, I mean, 
I don't think it'll be a problem, but I think it, it'll help because then the bigs got to try to create it. The new people that want to extend their um, distance have to go and improve more. So it, it helps the kids get, even get better too as well because once you get to the college level, if you plan on playing, it's going to be moved back. Right. Yeah, and that's one of the big points that proponents for both the shot clock and the three-point line, that's their point as well, right? It's going to be moved back in college, um, and it, it would help prepare them. And more space is the other one for the three-point line. It creates more space on the floor, which, you know, hopefully leads to maybe a more exciting exciting game. Yeah. Uh, Coach, can you talk us through how you select team captains? What does that look like? So we just talked about program guys. This mm-hmm. this year, right now, I know two of my young men were going to be my captain. They've been through the program. But before I did it this way, I used to have a team vote. You know, I like to see kids to see who, who leaders are. I, I'm, I'm interested in that. Um, I also can diagnose where you're only doing it because that's my buddy and I want him to be a captain. I can already mm-hmm. see that, the writing on the wall and that. So at the end of the day, if I don't see it, um, two, two, uh, I only have two. I, I give two captains. If I don't see a legit point of how this happened, then, of course, I make the last decision. I make the last call. So I try to give it, put it in the kids, the players' hands. Yeah. Do you um, have certain jobs or responsibilities for your captains in your program? Yes. They lead by example. They get they get practice started. Um, I like to come into an environment where they're already stretching. They know once we're in the gym, there's no conversating on the side, on your phone, taking your time to get your shoes on. If you're not in that circle when everybody else is and you're on the sideline, it, it's it's not a punishment. It's it's accountability that you know when to be here like everybody else. Do you hold those team captains uh, accountable if something like that is happening? So let's say not a team captain, but people are in the middle. There is a kid or two conversating. You know, obviously we usually as coaches hold that kid accountable. But do you put that on the team captains as well? You know, I, I do put it on the team captain because, you know, the best our our, our slogan is we don't do that around here. Mm-hmm. That, that's our slogan. We don't do that around here. And those captains make that comment. If it gets past the captains and it has to get to me, it, it shouldn't have to. And right. that's something, not that I'm the big bad guy, but that means mm-hmm. you're becoming a distraction. Uh, do you have a favorite team bonding activity that you guys do? Yeah. So um, the biggest one was LSI that we would go every year. Um, there's no school, different things that we would do during the days of game days that we play or after games. That was the biggest one. Well, the last three years, we've been invited to the um, Bishop Gorman tournament in Las Vegas, Mm -hmm. and it's been the best. The best three years of my years at Grant to just take the kids, not just on a trip, but a lot of kids have never been there. Um, 
all the kids know about Bishop Gorman, just the sight, you know, sightseeing, the bond. It's, it's, Derek, you'd be amazed of how enthusiastic the kids are about this trip and, you know, being good kids on the trip. In three years, may God be my blessing, no problems. Kids had great times. Flights were great. Hotel was great. Yeah, it's the best team bonding I could ever imagine that some coaches would want to do it. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's great. Do you do any, like, program bonding? So I, I'm talking about – do you have three or four teams at Grant? Yes, four levels. Yeah, four levels. So do you do anything with, like, your entire program where everybody's together – um, to do something like that? Absolutely. And that's the biggest thing. So I, I take my varsity players, all 12. We bring every player in, and it's an introduction. You know, introduce yourself. And we take – I don't just say – I don't want to hear – and I give, you know, I give the, the, the foundation of it. I say, hey, I want an introduction, who you are, first and last name, Welcome to Grant. If you, my name is, you know, it's a back and forth thing, you know. What classes are you taking? We might have some together, or I see you in my classes, and I didn't know, you know, some kids, some freshmen are, you know, very shy. So it's it's a little, you know, throw the pizza, a little soda in there, and we just, it's a gathering, and I do that three times a year, or three times out of the uh, season. Very cool. Do you have? You might have already answered this already. We talked about your uh, three on three, three on two to three on three continuous drill. But it, do you have a favorite drill? If so, is that it? That's my favorite. It's it's by it. far my because it, it 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 gets so competitive, Derek. It's where, man, this is big time. And you know, I'm the official, so I'm I'm involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yep. And it's so big because it's like I'm officiating a game and I'm calling foul, I'm calling charges, take a point away. You know, it's nobody wants to do the conditioning part. So it's like mm-hmm. their attention span is like 100% to me. And I always say, if you're going to do it in this practice, you're going to do that in the game. You're going to take that charge in the game. I know you will. I know mm-hmm. it. And it's and like I tell them, it's a, it's, it's a, um, I tell the kids um, in the Zoom, I said, you know, if you saw the last dance, you remember when Steve Kerr said, if I'm open, if I'm, if I'm open, I'm going to hit that shot, Michael. And it's like, Coach Key, I'm going to take this charge, and you watch in the game, I'll do it. It's building that confidence in the person that you're with. So that was big to see that part when Jordan hit Steve Kerr on that mm. extra pass and Steve was open and he knocked it down and it built trust in the Jordan. That's why Steve was so successful because, oh, man, the greatest player in the world believes in me. Just the same way with the kids. Oh, Coach Key believes in me if I keep taking charges, run the floor, box out. Yeah, yeah. Show me I can depend on you. When it comes to adversity, how do you act or how do you play in adversity? Where are you at with that? 
And it, it's in practice. I kid you not. It is so in practice. How about a favorite shooting trail? Do you have one that you like that you think your kids enjoy and works well for you? Um, you know, the biggest one that I, I, I love, I, so, you know, a lot of kids like to just catch and shoot, no defender, no um, rhyme or reason with no crowd or anything of that nature. So what I do is I pair up groups, and I put this clock up. I put them on a clock, and we go to different spots, each, you know, three in a group, four in a group, no more than four, and I put one minute up on the clock, and we go to different spots, whether you're off the dribble pull-up and the other kids are rebounding. How many can you make in a minute in different spots on the floor when we do that? Uh, the winner course don't run the other one let's get some conditioning in mm -hmm. yeah that's 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 the biggest one and i i take a lot of pride in it because yeah. well not just because of what that official said to me but i love shooting <laughs> i um i was a combo guard when i played so it was like mm -hmm. it's a it's a beautiful art i mean to this day i've always said since davidson Steph Curry is the best; will be the best shooter in the NBA. Mm -hmm. he's, he's the work, the, the beautiful art that he's put into it. Yeah, he can shoot. You ever step in and, and teach your kids a little thing or two, Coach? You step in and, oh, and yeah, knock down some uh, shots on that baby. <laughs> My favorite thing is I'd say, I, you know, even the new kids when they come in, I go, mm -hmm. "Who's the best shooter here at Grant High School?" And you know, kid, the kids that know me. Uh, Coach Key, um, the kids that don't just yet know me, <laughs> um, so-and-so, <laughs> like one of my better players. And I go, I am. I am the best shooter at Grand High School. Who's calling me out? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I love it. <laughs> that's great. I like it. Uh, well, good stuff, Coach. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak with us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. This is a um, very, very thankful that you've given me this opportunity. Thank you so much. If you have any follow-up questions or want to get a hold of Coach Key, you can find his contact information in the episode description. We hope you join us next time here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Until then, coach him up. Thank you for listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Is there a coach you'd like to hear from or a topic you'd like to hear us discuss? You can write us a message on the Anchor website or send us an email at OregonBasketballCoaches at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify.